Hello everyone, welcome back to the Living Room Chat podcast with Matt and Ryan. Episode 16 we're on now. Is that what we're on now? We I haven't on actually now. remembered. But it's, it's been um, so long, isn't it? Yeah, back after about a month or so. Literally, yeah, I think it, it was literally mid-April, uh, mid-March when we did that last one, so... Uh, yeah, so life happened, yeah. we've been busy, I mean, I was away for a week, that's only a week, where's the other I don't know what happened, from? I think, was, not, was one of us ill and we missed one? Yeah. And then we were going to do... We were going to do one and randomly squeeze one in before you went away. And then we thought, nah, fuck it. This is busy. Yeah. But those of you who've been watching from the start will know we did make a commitment for 40 episodes. We did. But well on track. Episode 16, we've still got, what, 35 weeks of the year, something like that? Yeah. That's a complete guess. Just trying to work out logically. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure. We'll be fine. We'll be fine for 40. No problem at all. Not saying that. How, how are you like with with targets and stuff? I know like you're coming from like a office targets like sort of thing. Is that interesting? Because this is a really we I didn't even pre-discuss this, but we've both gone over our year anniversary of starting our business mm. since the last episode. Yeah, and it does take a lot of time to reflect. I'm gonna go out and be very honest here. I've achieved nowhere near what I wanted to achieve in my first year. Mm. In terms of financial, yeah. massively down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's been ups and downs and struggles. But then I look back at my goals for the first year of the business, and the first year was to survive. Yeah. To make enough money to survive. I remember you saying, yeah. Which, although we had a lot of money, you know, not a lot of money, we, we had a nice chunk of money coming in. Mm-hmm. We have survived. Sales are still going through. We've got money in the bank. Mm. So I've got a target for this year, come yeah. to me, that we want to hit. Mm-hmm. And... I've got a little countdown now on my spreadsheets. Every time we exchange, it counts down. So I can yeah. see physically what I need to do. So you've got a system. Yeah. It's not massive. Out. Like some of the self-employed agents obviously making huge money. Mm. I'll be very honest, we made 30 grand in our first year, mm. which as a startup business is okay. Mm. Um, but it's not setting the world alight. I think the, the trouble is, is that I've I found in my first year, again, I was just like, right, let's just get through the first year, let's do all I can to kind of hit the ground running. But then all of a sudden, like, you know, I could have done double what I would have wanted to and I could have still not been happy with it, benchmarking it against other people. But that, that's the key now. We've got a benchmark. We've done mm. year one. We're not starting from a standing start now. Year two starts and we're already, you know, yeah, we've got yeah. a pipeline, we've got sales yeah. happening, we've got houses on the market. So... Um, What's your, like, feel free to say no, don't want to say, to, to all of our subscribers and listeners, yeah. all 13 of you, thank you for liking <laughs> and subscribing, links in description. Um, but what do you want to achieve, like, financially for year two? What is your, what is deemed as enough? What's deemed as successful in the eyes so of that I, barrel? So I didn't do the 50k I wanted to in my first year. That's int- my my target was fifty k as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't I didn't do that, you know. So I want to do that, um, and I've been I've been struggling with um, like my goals for this year were to do um, five million in sales. I did three and a half last year. Okay. So I thought that's progress. as in property value. Yeah, which isn't huge by any means, but. That's the next stepping stone for me uh, to move home. Um, yeah, they were my two sort of goals for this year. But I find it hard because I'm not, you know, I wonder sometimes if I should be more money motivated. Yeah, I mean, 
Obviously, it's free therapy. That's what the podcast is for us. <laughs> yeah, we've gone into like... Why Why do you care on value of property that you're selling? Because that doesn't affect you. Because if you sell mm. 5 million quid's worth of stock, but your fees are half percent, or you yeah. sell 2.5 million and your fees are 2%, like what it doesn't yeah value so doesn't I, matter. I think of it more as um you know if i sell a loads if i if i'm selling loads of low price property at ship fees mm. i'm gonna have to do loads of work whereas if i'm doing mm. uh five sales at a million pound each for yeah. for good fees yeah then um that's obviously more where i want to mm. be so i kind of I kind of think I'm not saying it's wrong, mate. By the way, no, I'm just I just, saying it's I, interesting how like how you plan your targets around something that you can't really influ- we can influence. But yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's quite a broad way of influencing yeah. it. You know, so so I worked out, you know, doing five million of sales. Oh, I'm going to have to do the maths on the spot now. You know, with my average fee, yeah, will give me that like just over fifty k. Okay. So what's your, ta- what's your target for year two? Then fifty k. Yeah, in terms of my income. Mm. Yeah. Um, See, I've targeted, so I don't care about the value of property that we sell. Yeah. That's not how I look at it. I've, I've gone back and looked at how many valuations I need at my conversion rates to help me yeah. at this, to how many I sell, to how many yeah. exchange. Um, so we our target 60 grand this year um, in year two. 60 yeah. grand's worth of our fees, like not agency fees, like the fees that I take home. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 60 grand for us is a comfortable enough number where we'll be okay. Like we mm. won't be rolling in it. Um, Cause obviously the tax, obviously we have to pay that this year. Yeah. Cause of last year we didn't really pay that much tax. So 60 grand will be absolute bare minimum. Yeah. But I've got it set out yeah. now in my mind, 60 grand a year two, 100 grand a year three, 125 grand a year four, 150 grand a year five. Yeah. That's, quite- and then once we get to that level, I don't really want to do much more. Mm. Like, yeah, like yeah. I'm comfortable at that sort of level because that's that's quite hard going. It's a lot of work for that. But once we get to yeah. year four and five, the plan is to similar to you and talk, talking about not dealing with the smaller properties and the shit fees. Mm. Slowly but surely, up our fees. Try and deal with higher end level properties, so you're doing yeah. a better service for and selling less houses but getting paid more. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the goal. Like when I look around at other people who are doing well in our brand and other brands they're not doing it selling one and two bedroom apartments no they're not it's getting into a core market like for me and where i'm based like most of the houses are selling are minimum of 350 up to like 550 600 that is the core market yeah and that's perfect yeah because you know one and a half percent at 500 cool eight grand nice happy days and that's a massive chunk out of our of our business of money we need to bring in. So, so this leads quite on to a nice question that I wanted to ask you: Is that can you or can we do a good job for three thousand pounds? Yes, is the answer. Hmm. And I think we can. And I've still I've really tried. Like when I was obviously the first year, you just try and get everything you possibly can, and yeah. you have to have to reduce your fees to get business but then it's backwards that you don't have to you should be putting your fees up mm. and it's easier said than done i still think and as as much as it is if i'm charging someone three grand to sell 
or I'm getting paid six grand from a sale, I'm still going to do the same. I'm still going to be all I can be for both those clients. Yeah. Just, but it doesn't make, doesn't, it doesn't give me like, I don't change the way I am just because I'm getting paid double. No, no, sure. Um, but I hear what you're saying in terms of motivation. So I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at it now, you know, a year in reflecting and looking at some of the fees I've done uh, on the lower end and looking at the work I've done and, you know, on a few of them, something's gone wrong. Maybe I've had to sell it twice. Yeah. Maybe I've had to deal with any number of extra stuff that we know comes up, yeah. you know, on top of the, the basics for marketing, the viewings, the ad spend, all like, you know, the petrol yeah. driving to and from appointments, all of this stuff obviously has to be included in that fee. And then you take off a cut for, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm wondering to myself, like, I'm not sure I can do a good job mm. for free grand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this is the whole point about upping your fees as you go, isn't it? Like I've mm. always, uh, there's a few houses I've listed where I've done flat fees of three grand. And as you said there, when you, by the time we get our cut, it's 2,100. Obviously, you get the VAT, which you can claim a little bit back on that, which is fine. But yeah, after everything out, you're probably making actually money to yourself, probably 1,700, 1,800 quid. Which Minus your time, though. So you've got 400 pounds of cost, but then you... Yeah, okay. You know, it depends on where it is. I, I wouldn't, if it was miles away, I wouldn't be doing that fee. Like if it's, yeah, five, sure. if it's two minutes from yeah, my house, yeah, yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, or, or potentially be interested in, or in, in going that, that route. But <clears throat> that's still, if you look at it, seven, like 1,800 quid for one sale in your back pocket, some people would say that's, that's decent numbers. But when that process takes six months, you're actually earning maybe 300 quid a month for that transaction. And it could fall out of bed at the last minute as some of them do yeah i've been um, really i've been really hit that the start of the year was was like the lowest i've, I've had some really low points in the last yeah. year as you yeah. know we've talked about it during our three free therapy sessions how many times are we gonna say that today two three, <laughs> three therapy. Well, it is it yeah. is and it's like and that's the most painful thing like when something falls apart at the last minute and it, you, you try your best to stay motivated but i i remember i think it was in february i had three sales fall through two of which were like the week of exchange mm. or, or coming up to exchange. We're talking exchange dates and they fall through. Three sales fall through in the space of two weeks. It cost me personally probably about 10 grand. Mm. I fucking needed that. Yeah. And my pipeline suddenly goes from X minus 10. You've got Y and you're thinking, shit, I've got, I've got three or four months worth of pay here. Yeah. But if I don't sell any more houses in the next few weeks... I ain't getting paid in October, November. Mm. And that's the, like, it's the difference between being on the high street and being self-employed. When you're on the high street and you're focusing on your exchanges that month mm. and the next month, mm -hmm. you're not worried about how much you're going to be paid in three or four months' time because you will get paid. Yeah. Whereas with us, like, I know we're paid up till the end of July. Like, I know I've got money in to the end of July yeah. to pay everything and probably half of August. But that's it at the moment. And all of a sudden you're thinking about October, November, December, and yeah. you're just thinking about things on a longer time horizon. Absolutely. Um, and you have to think so far ahead, which is good in a sense because it's forward planning, mm. but at the same time, it doesn't hurt. It gets hard getting stressed over yeah. stuff that you know you can influence, but it doesn't make it any easier if it's not there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but it's a good, I think it's, I'm so pleased I've done it. What, mm. Regardless of what happens in the next year, I'm really yeah, confident yeah. that we can make this a solid business that's going to work. And yeah. I just enjoy it. Like doing a podcast on a sunny <laughs> Thursday morning, not yeah. worrying about, it, you know, the mindset changes. Like, could you ever think about going back to be having to be at work at eight o'clock and work until seven? Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because in a way, yes, because I've been thinking a lot recently about just having a boss and just having to be in the office. And there's a lot of shitting on the clock in, clock out mentality. Now I've been out of that, mm. I can see like, oh, I can see why there's value to just clocking in and then leaving yeah. it at home. When I was in California, I was having to stay up till half past 12 to make calls for half past eight time here, here in the UK when places would open just to yeah. help my clients. I don't mind doing that, but in my mind, I was like, yeah, I can see why being able to switch off. You can't enjoy your holiday off, can you? Yeah, and I enjoyed it. It was fine. Yeah. But I was I was like, hmm, yeah, I can see why having a job is nice. You can just switch off. Um, I must admit, the, the probably the first probably the first time I'd say in, in the year of, of doing business when I haven't been abroad. So we, we didn't, I did viewings on Bank Holiday Friday, did viewings mm. on the Saturday morning. And then Sunday and Monday, I didn't look, I didn't check, I didn't answer any WhatsApp messages. I didn't check my emails until Tuesday morning. It was actually really nice just having two days, just not worrying about anything. Mm. Like really yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny though, isn't it? How it goes. You know, yeah. it's, but then you flat out again and it just doesn't stop. And I messaged, I spoke to a client at quarter to nine on Tuesday night whilst watching Man City absolutely dick over Bayern Munich. <laughs> um, have a whiskey on the go. The trouble is though, sometimes someone said oh, to me, oh, I wasn't expecting you to answer this late at night. But kind of for me, like the anxiety of like not answering there and then and then waiting for the next yeah. morning. Tell you what I've got really super good at is once I'm done, like, sat down we've had dinner Marla's in bed we're watching tv it's nine o'clock at night I, I was always constantly just checking my emails just mm. like at half ten mm. and i know if i saw a bad email i worry it. about it we'd be able to sleep we'd have yeah. to deal with it so now i've got very much in the habit of like when i'm done i'm done yeah you know turn it off don't now sometimes i leave my phone in the other room now it's rewarding yeah and i think i've I'm doing a similar thing where I'm trying to be really intentional about when I'm clocking and clocking out. Yeah. Um, just in, in my headspace because I think I quite enjoyed it at the start. It's been like, I'm, I'm anytime, 24-7, yeah. yeah. which I am, but if I'm not actually doing something actively business-related, yeah. I need to be kind when of... When you're in the zone, like if you're editing a video or you're doing something and it is half eight, nine o'clock at night, mm. absolutely, if an email comes in, I'll respond to it. But mm. I think once you once you reach that point of shutting off, it's really important to stop mm. and then pick it up again in the morning. Yeah, so yeah. the way I look at it, obviously I'm in the gym most mornings, like not most mornings. Get no. this guy. Yeah, I've been working <laughs> out. No, I've been really slack recently, actually. Um, but typically I'm in the gym twice a week at probably half seven in the morning. Mm. Maybe seven. No, no, seven o'clock in the morning. So I'm answering emails there. I'm firing off emails to solicitors. I'm WhatsApping clients. For me, that's just as that's almost better than emailing someone at half ten. I'd be more. Yeah. I'm more impressed from solicitors when they email me at seven o'clock in the morning rather than eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, because I feel like they're up that. fresh. They're ready to work. Yeah, not behind on their work at eleven o'clock having to yeah, email yeah. late. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get the evening email and you're like, get a life, mate. And yeah, then you get the morning email, you're like, this guy's on the Yeah, board. this guy's on it, yeah. yeah. Weird, isn't it? 
Yeah, interesting. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. I've, that, mm. So that's my, that's what I've, if I don't send an email, I won't probably email past eight o'clock now. Yeah. And, but I'll, but the first thing in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, in the gym, bang, emails. <laughs> This guy's on it. If any, on of you, if any of your clients are watching this, like send Ryan an email at half past eight and then get snotty. At- oh, I, st- I type the emails out. I just forward, I just set the um, a de- a delayed send until seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I've seen Outlook, <laughs> actually, Outlook actually prompts you to do that now, yeah. doesn't it? It can, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. it says, do you want to, you're out of work, send an email out of office hours, do you want to delay it till yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I do, thank you. <laughs> cool, anyway. Um, um, yeah, yeah. we're conscious we just blab on and this will turn into another hour long episode and we were purposely trying to get them down to like half an hour snippets so obviously it's been a month since our last episode yeah so a lot has happened in the world I don't want to go over interest rates or banking collapses or Donald Trump being arrested Donald Trump being arrested or strike trying to buy purple bricks well that's quite common news at the moment but yeah, um, yeah what do you want to chat about like, we've got a couple of topics I know you had a a story about a buyer that I was intrigued to hear. Yeah, so I um, need to not disclose anything about the deal, but I had a call yesterday. I've agreed an offer uh, with what I thought was a first-time buyer. Oh, right? yeah. Um, so whatever, did the open house, offer agreed, first-time buyer. It was, you know, it's the best of a few offers mm-hmm. um, and getting to the point of sending sales memorandums out, getting solicitors involved. Um, and dealing with my seller's onward purchase. Yeah. We're in the thick of it. And then the buyer calls me and says, um, oh, the solicitor's saying I'm not a first-time buyer. It's like, what do you mean? And it's like, oh, I've bought this parcel of land with three of my mates for, it's like seven grand or something mm-hmm. <laughs> at an auction one evening at the pub. And is therefore not a first-time buyer. Shit. So, how much the house sold for? So you uh, can't say. So, which um, basically means they now have a big stamp duty yeah. liability. Yeah, a couple of grand. Yeah. Because they're not a first-time buyer. Yeah. yeah. Because they went three ways into a seven thousand pound parcel of land. Wow, that's a stupid mistake to make. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, where does that leave it? As in, they can't offer the same price because so they can't offer the same price. Yeah. It's completely dicked you over because it would have been a better offer to go with. Yeah. The thing Um, is, people wouldn't necessarily know that. And I think estate agents, we, yes, our job is to find out all of the information, but you can't, you can't cater for stupidity. And this is the problem is because every time we've said it before, every time something happens, I'm looking at it like, right, what could I Matt Barrel have done differently in this scenario to avoid this happening. Yeah. And it pisses me off because it affects my client. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, there is nothing I could have no, done. No, there's nothing you could have done. Yeah, you um, can't ask, have you ever owned a property before? No, I haven't. Great, so you're a first-time buyer. You wouldn't ask, by the way, Mr. Buyer, were you ever stupid enough to buy a piece of land with some mates drunk at a pub auction? Yeah, just, like, just out of interest. Oh, yeah, I did actually, Matt. Cool. Four grand stamp duty. <laughs> yes, you wouldn't ask, would you? So I can't beat yourself up about that. Yeah, and even the buyer didn't know. Yeah. I just thought. Well, that leaves you... Um, yeah. yeah, so it, it basically puts me back in square one. And again, this is like we were saying about fees earlier. I've got to put that property back on the market, book in a load more viewings, do another open house, agree another offer, yeah. take the proof of funds again. You know, 
Do you know what I mean? I know it's what like, you mean, oh, yeah. So again, it's just but, frustrating, isn't it? So I guess this could be a lesson to people is that you get many benefits of being a first-time buyer yeah. in this country. So don't waste it. Just be careful, basically. And even in a sense when people have like inherited houses yeah, and they go on to... If you've been on the title of a house, whether you pay for it or not, you've, owned, about that. you've owned it. Yeah, you've okay. been an owner, so you don't. You're not a first-time buyer anymore. So if you if you inherit a house, yeah, and it goes in, the title's changed to your name. Yeah, exactly. that that is deemed as ownership, literally. And also, um, I had this conversation very similar actually with a first-time buyer. He was a first-time buyer. His partner had sold a shared ownership flat two years ago, so she'd owned somewhere. And he's like, "Are we still first-time buyers?" I said, like, "No, you're not. You'll still pay stamp duty. Okay, unless you buy." only in your name and she doesn't go on the title mm. then you can be first time buyer yeah but other than that no it's you're gonna have to pay stamp duty which was probably about three and a half grand yeah i was like just need to just need to have that in in your locker to pay it that's the situation so you just could deal with it basically do you want to know a bugbear of mine speaking of stamp duty i'd love to hear a bugbear of yours regarding stamp duty you know when um when sellers or buyers sellers especially yeah when they're talking about selling yeah and they say, oh, well, I've got, I've got your fee, I've got stamp duty, yeah. I've got solicitor costs, so let's bump the price up to reflect all of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you hear that? I do, and I'm like, no, because this is the price. I have changed my tactic with pricing, and I've got this really cool little thing I've been saying. It doesn't matter what you sell, it's, it's completely relevant to the stamp duty conversation, actually, right. very quickly. No, we'll go back to that. Yeah, price is the price. That's the price the house sells for and your costs come out of it, not the other way around. But yeah. it does segue on because my new thing I've been talking about is anything you're selling, whether it's cars, houses, coffees, whatever it may be, the same process happens. Price, you market, it sells. That is the simple term of what happens, right? Yeah. Price it, market it, sell it. Yeah, yeah. Okay? This is the point I'm making. If that price is wrong, it doesn't matter how good the marketing is, it ain't gonna sell. No. It's as simple as that. No, no. So if your house is worth 350 and that's how much it's worth, and you need you need to pay stamp duty and solicitors fees and agency fees, and you think you want to put it on at 375, it doesn't matter, you break the symbol there, you break the break the, the um, equation. It doesn't matter how good our marketing is, you know, drone photography or not, bespoke property videos or not legends of estate agents or not it doesn't matter no it's too much money it's not going to sell that's simple as that yeah it's and it's yeah it's just a fact isn't it absolutely and is. i've i've been thinking a lot recently about the the expensive houses helping all the other houses to sell you know so if your 350 house is there at 375 yeah your neighbor who lists at 350 that's a really good point. Looks even more attractive. Yeah. Because they're like, well, these motherfuckers are 375. This one's 350. It looks great value. Didn't think about that. That's a really good point. I'm so going to use that. Yeah. So you're, you're, by pricing high, you're not only pricing yourself out of the market, you're helping other people you're, to sell. You're literally aiding your competitors to get sold before you. Absolutely. Love that. And nobody is in a market where it's just them. No. Like maybe unless you're like 20 million high end. No, but coming back to that point I made earlier, like most of the houses on the market around my area that I really want to focus on, mm. they are 350 to 550. Obviously there's different variations, but they're three, four, three and four bedroom semi-attached or detached houses. Yeah. There's always 30 of them on the market. Yeah. 
So, yeah, yeah if you price too high, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. Simple as that. It's funny. You know your listing we were talking about a few weeks ago that had loads and loads of interest? Yeah. Someone called me, one of my buyers who I dealt with a while ago, called me and sent me the link said, Matt, I'm interested in this. I said, you and everyone else, mate, it's sold. <laughs> <laughs> Still got, mate, they got the mortgage on it. Really? I didn't say, oh, this is another update. Yeah, so mortgage valuation has been, been held. Mortgage offer out. Wow. I know, I was shocked. I met the surveyor there. What was, did it did have a kitchen and bathroom? Like did have a kitchen, had no cooker. Right. And, but it did have running water and the downstairs showering was working. But bathroom upstairs doesn't work, there's no heating. Um, electrics are f***ed. Floors are f***ed. Ceilings are Houses are Everything's f***ed. That's huh? a lot of f***ed, wasn't it? Mate, the algorithm's going to hate this. It's not going to push it out because it's too <laughs> Yeah. Let's take that bit out. We f***ed it. Yeah, we f***ed I, I can beep them out. Yeah, do that. I'm, I'm building up my sound effects back now. I've got beeps, I've got swooshes, I've got text messages. Um, beat that out, because that's going to screw our algorithm. Um, if in fact makes us... I don't even know if that is. We don't, we don't know enough about YouTube to see if swearing stops I'm it. I'm not sure. I feel like I see swear words in YouTube, but I but don't know. a lot of them blank them out. Mr. Beast blanks them out. Yeah. I feel and he, he's he knows a good it, person to watch. He knows maybe. a few things about. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Beep them out. Um... House is screwed, and yeah. they've still got a mortgage on it. Cool. It was, cool. It was the lender normal high street lender, or was it some kind of? It was. It wasn't main mainstream, but it was. It was someone like Skipton, right? Okay. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was that sort of that sort of smaller mainstream lender, but kind of smaller bespoke. Smaller side, but he didn't need yeah. checking it. Like he's like, I don't need checking the loft for this lender. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's really good because it is. <laughs> like the rest of the house <laughs> so that's all cool but yeah um, so they had a full structural survey done as well because I know you want, you mentioned about surveys about a couple mm, of people booking them late on yeah. we've talked about this this could be a little snippet for us yeah I mean you know I don't want to say the same thing twice but you're going to go you're going to do it anyway well I've, I've just got a pipeline full of survey problems at the moment yeah. and were people getting surveys 18 months ago like in 2021 did you have people get surveys yeah, but yeah, we did. But then again, in 2021, I was working in an area where every house was built in 60s plus and there was never any issues. But people still got surveys? Yeah. yeah. Like I've, got a, um, <laughs> I've got a buyer getting a survey on a purpose-built retirement flat. <laughs> <laughs> then we go, I want to get full structural. And the surveyor went, nah, I'm, I'm not taking your money for that. You do a home buyers. I was like, fair play, Adam. Good man. I've, ha- I've had this... I had this flat, which is, you know, needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I've intentionally been very, very clear about the amount of work it needs. Yeah. And the buyer said, I want to get a survey done. All right. Okay. Here we go. Um, and it was one of those surveyors who like, didn't want to chat to me. He was yeah. just like, let me get on and fuck piss off. off. Um, Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and lo and behold, the survey comes back saying there's a bunch of stuff wrong with it. There's a bunch of stuff we'd recommend you investigate, but the value seems about right. Yeah. Fix it up and you'll be fine. Cool. Um, you know, but the buyers just completely scared them off. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah, it's just... It happens, isn't it? It happens an awful lot. And it is it is frustrating because surveyors got to cover themselves and we've talked about this before, but mm. um, I think it's still so, but I never, we've talked about this, I never ever push surveys with buyers um, ever. Like, I just mm. leave it. If they got one done, they got one done, but I wouldn't push that 
fact. Yeah. Now, from the moment the offer's accepted, I'm like, are oh, you getting a survey done? Let's get it booked in. Because I'd rather, I'd rather know two weeks into the transaction that it's not going to go through rather than two months. Yeah, I, it's, it's necessary really, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And um, you never know what's going to come up. Like, you're going to have a house that's absolutely sound. Like I sold a house in Bracknell. It's a 60s build house. There's fucking hundreds of them selling. There's no problem at all. Something, it was very, very minor. Almost an advisory. The felting in the roof will need replacing at some point, but it's fine. There's no leaks or anything. No, bars pulled out. Over, over roof out. The sellers even agreed to pay for it. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. So It's just like not understanding things yeah. as well, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as much as we can try and educate and help along the process, ultimately, if someone's changing their mind to buy a house, there's nothing you can do to influence that. Yeah, like we've said before, if you're getting a survey done in a house and you're looking for a reason not to buy it, you'll find one. Yeah, you know, exactly that. that. Exactly that. Um, do you advise your clients on their onward purchases to get surveys? Um, yeah, yes and no. Uh, I suppose we've got quite, with all our clients, very our relationship builds very much over time. Like the first mm. couple of weeks when we set up the WhatsApp groups with them, they suddenly become we quite involved in their lives as well yeah. as their activities and their property-related business. Um, yeah, I would say if a client's getting a property, they normally ask me, like, mm. should I get a survey or what should I do? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've had it come up where I've been chasing the chain, I've been pushing, and it's, it's my client who's turned around at the last minute and wants the survey done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's but then again that's the other agent's fault for not asking for it at the start it's not yours I like that way of thinking it's the other agent's fault yeah yeah bastards bastards indeed but yeah no I do I, I will always suggest people um, and now yeah. I've got I've got an absolutely quality guy that I've met mm. um, I met him on a survey he's working for another company so I'm going to go out on my own start my own business I was like fair play mate it's about six months into mm. Avocado amazing well done and um now he's like, he's just a good guy. Really trust him completely. Great guy, very honest. And um, yeah, refer him to everyone. Cool, so if you're buying a house and you want to get a survey. Hit me up, I've got the man for the job. And we get a few readies. <laughs> what's, what, what's the numbers for, what's the price for a survey? Uh, don't know. No. Okay, message right now. That's not my job. We've gone over half an hour though, bud, so I don't know. Yeah, should we wrap it up now? Yeah. Because we've got we've got loads to talk about. I've still got loads more to talk about, but That's we can so hold that till episode seventeen. Yeah, I had I had a little snippet from that magazine I was going to tell you about. It's about Pablo Escobar's hippos, but I'll save that for next week. <laughs> Mate, I've watched, started watching Narco, Narcos. Yeah, it's great. brilliant. I've only seen the first season. I haven't, se- I haven't finished the first season yet. Yeah, they've just great. done that bit where they've gone in and shot up his prison. Uh, yeah, and he and he escapes into the woods. And they're always talking about the gringos. Yeah. Bloody green guys. They're not Australian, are they? <laughs> right. Bloody that's been episode sixteen. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back hopefully next week. It won't be a month till the next one. Um, but we will be back with more agency chats with Ryan and Matt on the Living Room Chat Podcast. Bye.